and welcome to episode 61 of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. Sometimes disabilities and disorders are easy to spot and easy to explain. But for some people with special needs, the challenges can almost be invisible. Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome is one of those disorders. There are 13 different classifications of EDS, and all of them can cause constant issues with chronic pain, fatigue, difficulties in eating, and concentration. The primary symptoms are loose joints that can easily become dislocated and stretchy skin. Both of these issues cause excruciating pain to those who are afflicted. But there are also many other challenges that can make it even harder. In this episode, we're going to talk to Elizabeth Lovett, whose 13-year-old daughter Maddie has EDS. Elizabeth talks about the challenges of dealing with people who don't understand how EDS affects those who have it and her continuing efforts to help Maddie in school and in her life. We're also going to talk to Maddie herself to find out about EDS firsthand and how she's able to cope with her situation. I started off by asking Elizabeth when she and her husband first became aware of Maddie's condition and what they did to try and get the right help for her. We knew that something was wrong when she was about 16 to 18 months old. Mm-hmm. And um, she was referred to rheumatology when she was two and a half because they thought maybe she had um, JRA or lupus. And um, she didn't. She All her tests came back normal. They had kind of been abnormal for a while, but they came back normal. Mm-hmm. They just kind of basically watched her and gave her a diagnosis of just joint hypermobility and... Um, functional weakness and started her in PTOT and then she finally got her EDS diagnosis when she was six. Ah, okay. Now, uh, according to what I've been reading, there are 13 classified types of EDS and some subcategories, of course. What type of EDS does she have? Madison um, has HEDS or the the hypermobile form of EDS, which is the most common. Okay. And how does that affect her? Um... Has it affect her now? Yeah, well, and also during the early years, too. It, oh, in the early years, um, she cried a lot because she had um, her legs hurt all the time, and she would, would tell us that her legs, that they weren't working. Mm-hmm. And um, she had difficulty with things like going up and down the stairs and walking long distances, so we had to carry her. Mm-hmm. Um, when, she, when we would take her to the park, she would play for a little bit and then she'd start crying that her legs hurt and she would beg us to take her home so it was really hard because she she wasn't able to play a lot with the other kids Mm. um she was really sick a lot she you know would seem to go from one illness to another and she was really pale and by the time she was two she had pretty much lost most of her hair which they weren't really sure why and that's why they thought maybe she had lupus um so that's how it affected her in the early years. Right. And how's it affecting her now? Now she has a lot of fatigue and she has a lot of um, eating problems and um, problems with her gastrointestinal system and digestion. And then um, a lot of problems with her nervous system, her autonomic nervous system. She has to have a lot of salt and a lot of water to keep her blood pressure up, and she doesn't really tolerate the heat. Now, according to uh, what I've read, too, there's no cure for EDS, but there are treatment options that can help. What kind of treatments is Maddie undergoing and has she had, and how have they been helpful for her? Uh, Well, Madison does physical and occupational therapy, um, and she's done some aquatic therapy and sports medicine to help um, strengthen her joints um, and to keep the the muscles loose so they don't get too tight. Um, She uses braces in her shoes and sometimes um, braces on her hands and she has thumb splints to mobilize um, unsteady joints and oh the the orthotics that she wears also promote the proper leg alignment because 
if you if you don't have the right orthotics and you're not walking correctly, then that can affect the whole body, including the knees, hips, and spine. So you have to have, you know, proper alignment of your legs and your feet mm-hmm. so that, you know, you don't have a lot of pain in your legs. Right, right. And, of course, walking is everything, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, getting around that way has got to be painful if it isn't right. Right. Um, now, how does that affect her as far as uh, schoolwork and that sort of thing? I imagine the, especially with the uh, joint dexterity, probably causes problems in uh, writing and all that sort of thing. She has thumb splints for her hands, and they have to provide her a scribe or a keyboard at school so that she doesn't get hand fatigue if she has to take a lot of notes. Mm -hmm. Um, They give her extra time to take tests, Mm -hmm. um, and they give her, because she requires so much salt and water, she gets a lot of extra bathroom breaks. Um, She's not allowed to do contact sports anymore, and she... Because she has a lot of fatigue, they allow for her to go to the office and lay down if she needs to, huh. and they give her um, salty snacks if she needs them. And one of the biggest problems is lots of absences due to appointments and, and when she's just not feeling good. Right, right. And I imagine that probably affects social situations, too? Um, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when she gets something new, um, you know, we worry about, you know, the kids' um, you know, staring at her or laughing at her, but honestly, she doesn't really care if, you know, her tube's hanging out from under her shirt or she doesn't really care if anybody sees it. So, and she has her own group of friends. Right. And they've been around her for a long time, I imagine. Right. They've been around her for a long time. And some of her closest friends she's been to school with since kindergarten. So she's a lot, she's real comfortable around them. Right. Now you mentioned tubes. So there's uh, ongoing medical devices and things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. She has what's called an appendicostomy tube that goes through her belly button into her abdomen, and we use that tube every day to flush out her colon since it doesn't function properly. Oh, man. Wow. And what are some of the issues that you need to watch out for as a parent with her as far as, uh, you know, her ongoing issues? Um, Well, school is an issue just to make sure that she's getting everything she needs with her 504 or some people have an IEP. We just have a 504. Oh, okay. Um, And bullying because sometimes, you know, kids can be cruel and sometimes they, you know, they always seem to zone in on the kids that have issues. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one thing that, that people, you know, watch out for. And then also, unfortunately, with with people or kids with invisible illnesses, um, there tend to be medical kidnapping uh, because, you know, people don't understand what an invisible illness is and, um, you know, kids have been taken away from their parents uh, because they don't believe that there's something wrong and they feel like they might have, the parents might have Munchausen by proxy. So that's always a fear in the invisible illness community. If parents... uh you know, suspect that their child might have EDS and all that, what should, she, what should they look out for as far as what are the issues or what are the common uh, symptoms that they should look for? Um, some of the, the symptoms are, are, can be different in some of the other types of EDS, but for I can speak for the um, hypermobile form, um, a lot of joint pain or joints that seem to be loose or unsteady or if the child is very flexible, um, if they appear to have very stretchy skin, um, they can, Madison's skin is very soft and velvety, mm-hmm. and they can also have skin that bruises very easily. Mm. Um, kids that have current, of chronic dislocations or subluxations, um, kids that seem to be clumsy or have a lot of brain fog, or even if they just have multiple symptoms um, that involve multiple body um, 
organs that can't be explained or don't seem to fit to something else. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people are diagnosed with EDS who have had, you know, they may be very flexible and they've had some stomach issues and some migraines. You know, those things don't all, you know, you wouldn't think that they would all go together. Right. But then they eventually are led to the diagnosis of EDS because of some of those symptoms. And from your standpoint, what are some of the bigger frustration issues or uh, if nothing else, what are some of the bigger misconceptions uh, about EDS and how it affects Maddie and other kids? Um, I, well, there's a lot of misconception about EDS that it it just makes, you know, they think that people are just really flexible and they don't really understand that it's a multi-systemic disorder and that it affects a lot of areas of the body and not just you know, causing them to be flexible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, people think that it's not a big deal. And, you know, they, why, why, why does she need that? You know, why, why does she have to use a wheelchair sometimes? Or, or why, why does she miss so much school? Just because they don't under, they don't understand how, how it affects the entire body and not just the joints. Yeah understanding would be a whole lot better if you could have some kind of a you know immediate label or something like that that people could have you know i have this but yeah it's kind of it's difficult when uh you know unless you are actually there you know you really they really don't understand and it's got to be frustrating yep and a lot of you know a lot of patients with eds or other invisible illnesses look perfectly normal on the outside mm-hmm. yep and they're not on the inside yeah but you don't understand the pain and not just, you know, not just uh, emotional pain, but physical pain, everything that right. goes with that. Mm-hmm. Well, OK, then I, uh, I think we're ready at the point uh, where we uh, could talk to your daughter if she's uh, ready to do it. Sure. I'm going to hand you over to Maddie. OK. Hi. Hi, Maddie. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? Well, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. So um, we're just going to ask a few questions, uh, see how things are going. Um, Can you give us an idea of what your day-to-day is like living with EDS? My day usually starts off with me taking my medication and my appendicostomy flush. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes I can eat breakfast and sometimes not if my stomach hurts. Ah, okay. So uh, do you, uh, now the, the stomach pains, that's part of the uh, the whole situation. Is this an everyday occurrence or is it just once in a while? It's usually an everyday occurrence, but sometimes it'll only happen every so often. Ah, okay. Is that, uh, now is, is diet a big part of this as far as your stomach pain or is that just a cause from uh, the illness itself? It's usually just caused by the illness. Okay. All right. Uh, do you have any other challenges, obviously, with EDS that cause problems? What are some of the big issues that you have? Um, my joints are loose and can dislocate or pop out with small movements. Ooh, ouch. That's got to be painful. Yeah. My stomach hurts a lot. Usually, if um, it hurts a lot and doesn't empty very well. So I have to eat like small amounts of food. And sometimes I feel like passing out if I don't get enough water and my body doesn't function well in the heat. Wow. Wow. So you got to stay in air conditioning a lot, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a hard time telling other kids about EDS and how it affects you? Or, uh, you know, occasionally there's going to be some new social situations, but I imagine most of your friends are probably uh, okay with it. Yeah, my friends are mostly okay. Um, I'm not really shy, and I don't mind telling people about EDS. I sometimes need help explaining it, though. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, it's a lot of medical terminology, <laughs> even for an adult to know. So I can imagine uh, you're you're learning more about it than some doctors might even know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the activities you like to do? Well, I like to swim and draw. I also like to sing and play my French horn. Oh, nice. Yeah, I used to play soccer, but since I can't play, I like to watch, and I'll be roughing youth soccer. Well, that's good. Uh, and you do a lot of swimming, you say? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. That's at least something that uh, doesn't apply a lot of pressure on your joints because it's pretty weightless in the pool. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. And you get tired a lot, and there's still a lot of pain here and there? Yeah, I get tired very easily and have some sort of pain almost every day. Hmm. That's that's rough. So what are some of the, you know, do people have misconceptions or wrong ideas about your EDS and how it affects you? Some people think that having EDS means that you are just flexible. They don't understand that it's a multi-systematic condition mm. that um, affects multiple body systems. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, like you say with your... Uh your stomach problems and all that other stuff and not being able to stand up correctly and all that sort of thing can cause all kinds of physical problems. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to other kids about what your life is like for you with your EDS and what do you wish that people would really understand about it? Life can be hard, but it's also beautiful. You have to help take care of yourself by doing your exercises and taking your meds, but you shouldn't give up because you can still live your life. You just have to find things you enjoy and concentrate on the things you can do and not what you can't do. That's absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay, and we'll talk to your mom again. Hello. Okay, yeah. Now, so Madison is actually the subject of a children's book on EDS. Can you tell us about that? Sure, sure. My my friend actually wrote the book. Um, she is a friend that I um, met through the EDS Kids website, and she... Um, has three kids with EDS of her own. Mm -hmm. And the first book she actually wrote about her son, and then the second book she wrote about Madison mm. and, and her life and her struggles with EDS. Mm -hmm. And what's the book called? Uh, Madison the Great. All right. Well, we'll make sure to have a link to uh, Madison's book and the other book on our website for the page for this uh, podcast episode. Now, you also said that Madison recently got a chance to attend a special camp for kids with chronic pain. Uh, which I guess is called a pain camp. Could you tell us more about that and what they get to do there? Um, well, the pain camp is put on by several um, organizations that deal with chronic pain, one of them um, being TCAP, and that's the Coalition Against Pediatric Pain. Um, they have a website, and they, they help to put on this camp every year for kids that live with chronic pain. Um, the the camp itself is called CCK, the Center for Courageous Kids, mm -hmm. and they have a doctor on staff and a nurse in case anything happens. But it's a lot of um, sports and activities that that kids with chronic you know pain can do, and you know nothing really stressful. They get to swim and fish. Um, it's very organized so that they you know can have one one section to go to and then another section to go to. Um, they have lots of arts and crafts and music, and it's a—it's actually a family retreat, so the whole family gets to go and enjoy, you know, five days there at camp all together. That's great. And then um, what would you say to parents who might be learning that their child has EDS, and where can they get the best help online? Um, I would 
tell them to never give up. If you feel you know that something is wrong with your child, to be persistent and get a second opinion, a second opinion if you need to, and to write everything down. It's, you know, it's very, very important to keep a journal of symptoms and um, and appointments so that you have proof. You know, not only for the school but for other medical professionals as well. Um, the Ehlers Danlos Society is a is a good place to start. Um, they have a lot of information on their website. And they also have a lot of guides. Like if your child is diagnosed with EDS, they have guides that you can print out and give to the teacher that explain um, EDS and some of the issues and how the teachers can help their students. Mm -hmm. And also they put on a conference every year um, that that was posted on their website. Um, The last couple of years it's either been in, in Baltimore um, or um, Providence, and it's a really, we've been there two years, and it's a really nice conference, and they have a lot of information. Great. And then the local, the local face, the face, the local Facebook groups can also provide a lot of information. I know a lot of cities um, have their own Facebook groups. We have some in Columbus and Dayton around, so if you, if you maybe can't find a Facebook group for your city, then maybe you could find one closer. And then there's a there's a book that's written by Dr. Brad Tinkle called the Hypermobility Handbook, and that actually, that has a lot of really good information, and that's a really good book to keep on hand. My thanks to Elizabeth Lovett for taking the time to talk to us about Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, and a big thank you to Maddie Lovett for agreeing to talk about her life as well. We have links to the National EDS website, as well as the books we mentioned on the main page for this episode on our podcast website, specialparentsconfidential.com. A great way to keep in touch with us and comment on any episodes you've listened to is the Special Parents Confidential Facebook page. You can also communicate with us and let me know if there's any subjects you'd like to see in upcoming episodes. There's a link to our Facebook page and all of our other social media pages on our website, too. Be sure to share it in your own status updates on your favorite social media spaces. And that's it for this episode of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. Thanks for listening.